If you're like me, a lot of how I looked at the world, what I thought about certain things, maybe the attitudes I had or um, what I thought uh, the world worked like was developed around the table. Uh, I still have a lot of memories of either at dinner or we called it supper. Is everybody still, or do you call it supper? People look at me and like, that's weird. We don't call that supper. That's dinner. There's lunch and dinner. We had lunch and supper. I don't know just where I came from. Around the supper table, uh, I remember grandma coming in, grandparents coming in, uh, holiday times. Everything would, you know, settle down or all the different things would kind of uh, would kind of rest. And, and we'd end up around the table, maybe after a meal or uh, eating snacks. And, and we begin to talk about things, right? And as a young kid, I, I would listen in and learn. And then as I got older, I kind of had a place at the table where I could speak into the conversation, but so much of uh, what we've learned, what we think, the attitudes we have, so often are developed around the family table. You know, it's been said you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family, right? Um, that's, that's the truth. Um, and really, as we begin to look at scripture and understand family, you know, there's not a lot of positive things, examples in the scriptures. Honestly, as I've been fleshing this series out, most of the time the scriptures uh, give us examples or pictures into family life and it's like this is not what to do. I mean, you think about it, just even in the Garden of Eden, we see the first family, uh, there's dysfunction when the man, Adam, chooses his wife, Eve, over God, right? And causes all sorts of dysfunction, and it gets out of control. I've heard that ever since then, man has been choosing women over God ever since. I don't know if that's true, but um, there's dysfunction. Look at the first Family, the first family, brothers, is the first homicide in all of recorded history, of all the history of mankind. That's a homicide in the first family. The first civil war that we're aware of is between a father and a son, David and, and Absalom. And so often the scriptures portray the family in a light of, hey, this is what has went wrong. This is what not to do. And so as I approach this series, I'm thinking, wow, that doesn't sound really positive. But obviously the word of God is the word of life. It absolutely gives us everything that we can, we need, should, can build our family's lives upon. And absolutely, although it gives us a lot of what not to do narratives, it in that and in its instruction gives us everything that we need 
for you and I to experience what God had designed um, as the special unit. Um, In fact, I've got a quote in here. I, I love this. The family is the first and it's the most fundamental of all human institutions, which God ordained in Scripture. And it is the educational unit which God uses to transmit his knowledge from one generation to another. God's got a lot of stake in this. He designed this and he is wanting this to be a special, dynamic, fulfilling unit that each one of us can experience. And so we're going to take the next two months, January and February, and just kind of flesh this out. We're going to have some fun with it. Three weeks, we're going to talk kind of about family life. Um, We'll take three weeks about marriage. uh, And then we'll take a couple weeks at the end there in February to talk about parenting. And I'm telling you, I I think this is going to be, um, it's going to be a good journey. Uh, We're going to be able to uh, hear from some of you some of, uh, some of your experiences with different things. We're going to, yeah, take some snapshots out of your life that kind of talk to us and speak to us, kind of interactive about what, what doesn't work or what did work or our own experiences. And, and we're going to try to figure this out. And, and I'm, I, am, I am excited about this series. Um, every topic, every Sunday, except for one. <laughs> and that's today. I'm not super excited about today. Just because when you start a series, um, you kind of want to lay a foundation, right? And I'm thinking, you know what? There's going to be so much fun, good, juicy things we're going to talk about that I think are, are cool. But today, I'm just, I'm going to have to lay a foundation. But I think in laying that foundation, um, there's some things that we can just grab a hold of that are absolutely essential for the rest of this conversation and for our understanding of the family dynamic. Um, You know, I've never done this, and I, I don't think I've really ever seen anybody else do this. Maybe a few do this. But if, when you go house hunting, especially if you're in, if you're wanting to buy a new home, um, and then maybe there's a subdivision being built up, and And you normally see people, or you and I normally, drive out there and we start to look at the homes that have already been built, right? Start to drive around them and, yeah, I kind of like the way that that bay window or, yeah, two-car garage or three-car garage, whatever. And it's kind of always changing there. It was two. Now maybe it's three. I don't know. Um, You know, it's got this and that. And I like the color. I like the, right? I have never really witnessed anybody driving to a subdivision that the, the foundations are just being poured and families getting out and just walking around the foundation, right? We don't normally do that because the foundation really isn't the, uh, uh, maybe pardon the, ex- the, the expression, it's not the sexy part of the house, right? It's not the, ha- it's not the part of the house that we're like, oh, that's what I want, I love that. It's kind of something we... Yeah, we, we want to know that there's a good foundation, but we really don't, we don't look at it too much. We don't pay it much mind. Unless you're somebody that's had a bad foundation and you can, you can absolutely testify to that. But you know what? It doesn't matter how cool the house is, how it's laid out, how it's designed. How it's, it doesn't matter 
any of that, the value of it, the efficiency of it, none of that matters if the foundation ends up being cracked, um, it's not level, uh, it's off-centered somehow. If that happens, it's only a matter of time, right? Before that structure begins to be compromised. It's only a matter of time before you start to have real problems with the house. If it's, if it's off a little bit, then the wall is built off, right? You're saying, yeah, that's my house. That's what you're saying, maybe. That stupid wall they built, it's like this, you know? A lot of that is so tied into the, the integrity of the foundation. Um, it matters a whole lot. And so what I kind of want to do is just take a Sunday and give some, some foundation to this series. We're going to talk about specifics, um, uh, maybe even make you a little uncomfortable sometimes. I'm sure we'll talk about something that, guess what? You've done that, and you know, you realize that that didn't work, and we're going to talk about it, and you'll be like, uh, thanks for reminding me. I don't feel real good right now because I've had to... We're going to talk about some of that because it's important to talk about, right? Now, always remember that all of us are in the middle of this family dynamic that is not perfect. There is no perfect family um, it's messy. Families are messy. Um, they are complex. Um, they, they are all those things. And so we're not looking for a, uh, a perfect thing. We're just trying to learn how to see our families continue to have a, a godly um, environment and a healthy uh, atmosphere that um, we can be strong and we can, and we can be fulfilled and we can experience this unit, this special unit that God always intended for it to be. And so starting with the foundation, uh, I just want to just take a few moments and look at a scripture in the Old Testament. Now, maybe some of you even have this on your wall. Uh, you all are going to recognize this from somewhere. You've seen it somewhere. But in thinking about how to talk about family and working through all the scriptures in the, uh, you know, all the different scriptures dealing with family, I just kept coming back to this one. I know everybody knows it, but let's take a moment and be reminded of it. Because in it, I believe, are some foundational principles. It's this guy named Joshua in the Old Testament. In a um, kind of a crisis time for Israel, uh, are they going to take the steps of faith required to be God's people to realize all that he has promised, to make a complete identity, um, to, to make, take on a complete identity with God and trust him, his promises, his leadership, his direction? Or are they going to be who they have always been? Are they going to be the people that were slaves in Egypt or had lived in the wilderness? Uh, are they going to be the people that they had moved around? Are they going to be who they've always been or are they going to take that step where they're going to become, we are God's 
people. We are identifying with that completely. We are trusting in him alone. We're, we're all in on this. And it's kind of that moment here where Joshua is trying to lead them through that. And here's what he says in Joshua 24 in one of his, um, his speeches, so to speak, his um, <clears throat> challenges to the people. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. You can tell he's passionate about this. He's challenging them. Realize the potential. Understand who you are called to be. In 15 he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors that they serve beyond the Euphrates, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You all recognize that, right? We all have heard that. We've Maybe claim that. We've put it on our walls because it says so much about who we want, what we want, right? We are going, this household is the Lord's household. But I notice in those verses, there's three things that, that stand out to me. Kind of three words or three little phrases. And the first one is, I think this is foundational for us to understand about family, is in these, these, this word choose, choose for yourself, and then as Joshua ends, he says, my house, we will. Choose and will. And in the context of one of the greatest scriptures, challenges, family challenges given to us in all of, in all of the word of God, in the, of these words, choose and will. Or choosing is the exercise of the will. Correct? And one of the first words I want to remind us about that is foundational to family being realized in the, the way that God has designed it is that there is intention or it's intentional. intentional. And I would say this phrase, foundations, family foundations are built by being Intentional. Intentional. Good and godly families do not happen by accident. Amen. You don't just wake up one day and whoosh, it's happened. Really, it's not just the fact that maybe both of the parents were Christians. Or they came from Christian homes. And so you know what? I'm a Christian. They're a Christian. We're going to marry. And you know what? Just somehow, maybe through osmosis, we're just going to have a godly family. Because we surround ourselves with, we go to church. We have these certain moral ethics we live by. We, so you know what? Just kind of because of that, it's just going to naturally happen that we're going to have a good and godly family that has a strong, godly foundation. <laughs> I am amazed sometimes about 
conversations I have in counseling, pre-counseling, premarital counseling, of I'll bring something up or have you talked about that? Um, no, I think we just kind of thought we would, uh, when we get there, we'll know what to do. When we get there, we'll just kind of, we'll know how to handle that. I'm going to tell you, that kind of approach to family life is absolutely when mistakes happen. That kind of approach that is not intentional, that is not thought about beforehand, that is not talked about and fleshed out, that is not decided in the moment but before the moment is the kind of approach that it becomes decisions you regret and judgment calls that you would take back. I'm right, I'm there. I've, I, you know, uh, I'm still early in the game. Some of you think I'm late in the game because you're just starting. And some of you think, good grief, you don't even, you're not even halfway, right? But I've already experienced this. Where Nicole and I learning this, figuring this out, where maybe there was something that, that we didn't intentionally decide or talk about or work through. And the moment was on us and a decision had to be made. And because we had not been intentional, we just made a judgment call, kind of quick, kind of spur of the moment, and we regret it. We're like, I wish I had that back. You see, this kind of language that Joshua is using, this choose, this kind of deliberate, this, this exercise of the will, this intentionality that he talks about, it's like the same language that Jesus used when he talked about following him. He said, if you're going to follow me, count the cost. Um, it's not just a spur-of-the-moment decision. It's not an emotional decision. It's not a, hey, that sounds good right now decision. It is, he says, if you're going to be my disciple, understand all that that is, all that that means, that I'm Lord of your life and you are completely all in with me. And, and it takes a, it takes, it, it's a life of uh, kind of swimming upstream against the culture around you. And he said, when you, when you think about following me, count the cost. Make a careful choice. See, that's kind of the arena this language is. And as Joshua, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's in this context of careful choice, intentional decision. Things like, how are we going to approach this? What are we going to do with that? What are our beliefs about this? It's having those conversations. It's understanding that the family dynamic is one that thrives through an intentional approach. I like this phrase for life, and I think it applies to families. Either we are going to act upon life, 
live life or we are going to react to life as a habit in our life. And I believe that good families have carefully chosen, deliberately thought out how they're going to approach. This is who we are. This is what we believe. This is how we're going to react and respond when this comes up. It might not be there for some of you. Um, You know, the big one, it seems like with children. Having those conversations before. Nicole and I are trying to already have the conversations about Keegan, the high school conversations now, the junior high conversations now. Because you know what's going to happen? Life's messy. Things get chaotic. And you know this better than I. It's circumstances you didn't foresee kind of come up. And it's like he's looking at you saying, hey, can I do this? Can I be this? Can I whatever? Uh, well, what? What, you know? It's intentional. And good families are built by being intentional. So I would ask you this morning, if we don't build a good foundation, the rest of our conversations aren't that great. They're not gonna matter. They're gonna crumble. Have you been having those conversations? Have you realized that a good and a godly family is intentional? And that takes us working it out talking it out, figuring it out. So I notice intentional, but I also notice something, whom you will serve. Choose for yourselves whom you will serve, right? This word serve, you know, you and I always are serving something. We are always serving something. And our families are no different. Our families will serve something. Our families will have allegiances to something. Um, You know, the scriptures are always calling us to make sure our minds um, are renewed by scripture, informed by scripture. Because it says that what happens naturally is we are all pressed or shaped into the world's mold around us, right? We're all, we, we will all be shaped by that. I have been there, and I still, day by day, am asking, Lord, continue to renew my mind through your word, through your Holy Spirit, so that I'm not pressed into the world's mold, right? That's the, that's the dynamic of this world. And we are always serving something. And so... There is, there is this call for families being built. Fam- foundations, family foundations are built by being discerning. Good families figure out how to discern what is right, what is wrong, what is great, what is good, what is questionable, what is gray, what is black, what is white. By discerning, because we understand that we're always serving something. 
We are always going to be in a position where we're serving either the Lord or the systems, the ways, the thought patterns, the philosophies of this world. Um, We could spend a lot of time. I think it's interesting if you talk to advertisers, they absolutely understand this. They absolutely understand how to continue to press us into the world's mold, right? They're they're great. I love commercials. Um, I think people who do commercials are some of the coolest people. I I would love to be able to sit down when they are crafting commercials. They're so catchy. They're so, you know, how that's, that's so witty. It's because they understand that Human nature, human tendency is to be pressed. Something comes on, oh, I guess I need that. Or maybe I need that. Or Everybody else has one of those. You see what I mean? Always happening. Always being pressed. And it takes discernment on our part to be able to figure out all of the complexities of this world. Amen? I should have heard a big amen from you parents, especially you parents of teenagers. I'm not there, but I've observed already, and I'm already praying, God, help me figure it out. Give me good discernment and understanding. You know, this, the end game for that, it's not spiritual. It, it, it's not going to grow them closer to Jesus. It's not going to develop character in their life or my life or our family's life. Just give me good discernment, God, because family foundations are built upon good discernment, understanding right from wrong, good from bad, good from great, good from great, spiritual from unspiritual, from worldly. Who are you going to serve? Choose who are you going to serve? The last thing I notice is this. We will serve the Lord. Family foundations are built by being biblical. You want to talk about a solid foundation? One in which you can rest the whole house of your household on. That is the biblical principles. That is a commitment to, you know what? Who we're serving, we are intentionally deciding and we're discerning always for one thing. We want to be a biblical family because in that is the hope of all the promises of God. And he says, we're gonna serve the Lord. We are going to serve the Lord. You know, the New Testament gives us a little bit of a framework, or it gives us a framework for what a biblical family looks like. Um, It's really built around two words, mutual submission. Mutual submission. Um, I think the greatest phrase that could change everybody's family, or I say change, you say why? I got a good family. So I'll say, hey, what will help your family, continue to grow your family, is this idea brought about by mutual submission, how can I help? How can I help? Can you imagine what would happen if your families, if everybody was asking that? 
That's mutual submission. I'm going to leverage my time, my resources, my ability to help you, to pour into you. How can I help? That's mutual submission. That's what he says that we're all supposed to do. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord, right? And that is is the foundational piece for family. What can I do to help? Some of you teenagers are like, yeah, right. I'm picking on teenagers today, right? Shouldn't do that. We got got great teens in this church. But um, what can I do to help? It's the biblical idea of that. Instead of what can I get for myself? Or how can I stand on you to get higher? Or how can I? No, I'm going to adopt a biblical approach to my family. Create a biblical environment. It's even like this. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, as he kind of maps out a family. Um, And this was revolutionary in that time. We think it's old-fashioned now. When Paul uttered these words, they just were blown away. Because honestly, the the whole dynamic of family was so different. And this is what the world does. It takes the family and breaks it down and makes it so dysfunctional. That in that day, that when he says things like uh, husbands love, wives respect, there's an equal partnership. In that day, you know what? That didn't happen. Women were a little bit higher than livestock. They could be divorced for really no reason. Just decide, you know what? I don't like you anymore. You're gone. And the, the woman could do nothing about it. They had no voice. And so Paul comes along and says, hey, 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 the family, the biblical family is built on equality. You will notice in the history of the world that the the countries that have adopted to some measure Judeo-Christian principles, women and children thrive. Countries that do not adopt Judeo-Christian principles So often, women and children do not. Case in point in our our world today. Just think about that. And so he's given them this whole thing. We're like, oh, wow. You're going to talk about that? You know, we'll talk about that later. But it's this whole idea of I'm committed to a biblical approach where we we are mutually submissive. How can I help you? I'm looking out for you. I'm looking for you, like I, even as I look for me, I'm looking for you. And in that context, I get that, you know, husbands um, love, wives respect, children obey, fathers don't frustrate, don't exasperate your kids. You know, if I went into a university today and, and tried to share this, you know what would happen? You wouldn't go that great, right, in a lot of universities. If I went into a psychology department or maybe even early childhood department, something like that, there is a, this is not, this is not the philosophy of the world. But it is the word of God. It is what I am committed to. And my family will be built on biblical principle. We will serve the Lord. 
And I'm going to trust that even though around me maybe the world operates different, that the principles of Scripture always pay off. And in the principle of Scripture, it absolutely creates a firm foundation for my family. And so, setting a foundation, setting the table, so to speak, is what we're calling this today, setting the table. It's intentional. It's discerning. It's biblical. But you know, I wanted to finish today with this thought. Because we, we, we learn so much around the table. Um, our family tables. But I thought it would be great as we kick off this series. Together around another table. The Lord's table. As we go. As a reminder. That without his grace. Without his love and his mercy and the empowerment of his spirit. Every family will crumble. And will be dysfunctional. And will be without hope. Everything that we want to rest on is in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as we gather around the table for eight weeks, we want to start by gathering around his table because that's our hope. That's where it all rests. And you know, I believe that there are and there's going to continue to be and it's going to grow. This church is going to be full of godly families that are going to realize the promises and blessings of God on their family as they walk with him, as they honor him. And it's going to create a secure and thrive and blessed environment in your homes and in this church. And it's going to be a testimony to the world around us where dysfunctional families are everywhere. Right? And I would say today, all of us, there is some dysfunction, okay? Don't feel bad. We're all there. But it's a testimony to what God can do. But it will never happen unless you and I are consistently, constantly leaning on the grace and love and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's at his table that we find the strength for our own family tables. And so would you join me this morning and finish today by just coming to his table and celebrating what he's done and affirming our faith and trust in him. Would you stand at this time? <coughs> Father, um, you've given to us this special unit, the family. Greatest joys, greatest love seems like just a special thing. Lord, you've also given to us the family of God, which, again, greatest joys, greatest loves. But Lord, we understand that none of that can be how it's supposed to be and can't be realized outside of what you've done for us on the cross. And so, Lord, as we gather around the family table, we want to first of all come to your table and find strength and continue to stand on that firm foundation, that cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. 
So, Lord, we open our hearts with thanksgiving and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you join me this morning?
Father, we, we go from this place. We're dismissed from here, but not from your presence, Lord. Lord, as we go, may the, the words of our mouth and the meditations of our, of our heart be acceptable in your sight. You who are our God and our Redeemer. Thank you. Amen. Thank you.